0: All right, welcome back to a very special episode of the USL Show. Um, listen, we kind of hyped it up a little bit. Um, you know, John decided to put a little teaser out there, and the day is here, and we are interviewing what many people are calling the future USL MVP and Mitchell Tainer of uh, the Supporter Shield, but not Supporter Shield. It's some kind of Shield of <laughs> San Antonio, Mitchell. Man, how you doing?
1: Yeah, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, guys. It's uh, it's good to finally meet y'all and and you know actually get to talk to you instead of just seeing you guys on Twitter.
0: I mean, you yeah, know, really excited to have you. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, to be fair, the only time you t- seem to respond to our tweets is whenever things don't go well. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just have
1: to keep you guys honest, man. Let let you know that your picks are bad for the the weekly. That's, that's
0: just my job. <laughs> And naturally, so I mean, granted, any time that we don't pick San Antonio, it always feels like a horrible decision because you guys have been flying this year compared to, I guess, last year. What's the difference in the team?
1: Uh, Well, I think a lot of the core guys from that group last year returned. I think Uh, last year, the first half of the season, the, the club struggled and then they made some pretty drastic changes halfway through and brought in me, Courtney Ford. Um, a couple of other guys, and it just kind of tied the whole group together. And then, you know, the team's potential kind of just, you know, shot up from there. And, you know, we, we found a way to make, make things work at the end of the year. And uh, we ended up having a really good good end of the season, except for, you know, the, the loss in the Western Conference Final. But, you know, I think coming into this year, it was a lot easier to carry on where we left off, just because of all the, the guys in the locker room were so familiar. We knew how we were going to play. Um, and you know, we just, we started hot and, uh, you know, had a couple little hiccups, but other than that, I feel like we've just been flying from the jump.
2: Yeah. And how do you feel like you have grown as a player this season? Obviously you're a veteran in the USL. You've been playing at a really high level for most of that stretch. What's been the difference that's really lifted your game and lifted San Antonio overall?
1: I think it goes down to coaching. Um, you know, I've said it so many times that Alan is, has been amazing for me and for the group and for the club. Uh, he's a proven winner at every team he's been on, and he's, he's carried that in here. It's his third year. Um, and, you know, you can kind of see that his vision for the club has kind of come to fruition. Um, but I, I think, as far as my play personally, I really think having a coach who sees my potential and, and my strengths and really tries to to help me grow in those areas, to make those areas not good, but great. And, you know, the soccer is a simple game. It's, it's easy to complicate it, but he makes it very simple for us. And so when we have our, our defined style uh, of play and you have guys who fit into those roles and he gives you, hey, these are X, Y, and Z, this is what you need to do. It's really easy to to execute that. And, you know, it's all, all credit to him and especially all the other guys on the team for for doing that. Cause when, when the team does well, then, you know, everyone gets rewarded.
0: You know, obviously don't give away game plan secrets and stuff like that. But for people who maybe aren't, you know, as tuned into, I guess, what's going on, what do you mean by making it simplistic? Is there any examples you can give? Uh,
1: without obviously diving too deep into it, I mean, we the amount of video that we watch is is pretty incredible. We, every day we're, we're going over tactics of, you know, so this week it was Birmingham, watching video every day on Birmingham kind of figuring out their their strengths and weaknesses and Alan, you know, has it all pointed out and, and how we, we can exploit that. And it, it's been the same every year. So the amount of detail that goes into it, he paints a really clear picture of how that game is going to go. What can you expect? And, you know, the defensive half, mid third, attacking third break breaks it all up for us and says, Hey, when you're in this situation, these are probably going to be your options. These are the player tendencies. And you know, that that's what I mean from, you know, X, Y, Z, these, these are your passes. This is where you're supposed to make your run. Um, and it just makes it simple. You know You know what's expected of you, you know where you stand. Uh, and, and from there, it's really easy to, you know,
2: to just do what he says and win games. Yeah, and in terms of the preparation for the games, uh, anything in terms of player development, do you find the club using much data at all? Obviously, that's an area I'm interested in and I've worked with some teams, but does San Antonio try to fold in kind of this cutting edge methods in what they do?
1: Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's like drastically different from what other teams do, but we, we have those sensors on our boots that Colorado wears, and I think a couple other teams throughout the league wear. It's basically the same thing as the the bras that the guys wear with the little tracker in the back, but except when it's on your boots, it calculates the amount of times you touch the ball with your left foot and your right foot, your sprints, change of direction and stuff like that. So I think there's a little more data in that. And You know, we we use it obviously to, you know, talk about workloads and stuff like that. But also during games, you you can kind of see or or correlate the production of goals or defensive actions with like the amount of sprints you make or, you know, how many many times you weren't sprinting, how many times you touched the ball. You can kind of see a correlation between, you know, the high performers and and the, the lower performers kind of from those metrics. It doesn't always work out that way, but for the most part, I would say it's, you know, pretty consistent.
0: Yeah, you know, I mean, kind of talking about, you know, obviously one of the teams that John is close to is Sacramento, which is one of your former clubs, right? Yeah. Um, you know, you went from Toronto to, um, to Sacramento, now obviously San Antonio. Just from the amount of time in the league, uh, going from different teams, different places, have you been able to tell a difference in quality of the league, quality of player uh, through your time here?
1: Oh yeah. I mean the, it, it's pretty incredible how much the league has grown since my rookie year, which was 2016. Um, you know, I got drafted to Toronto and I was with the second team and, you know, there were, I don't even know the exact, there there were probably like six or seven really good teams. You had the Rowdies with Joe Cole and all those guys, which was crazy to play against them. Cincinnati was a powerhouse. Red Bulls too had Aaron Long, Ty- Tyler Adams. Like, there were some pretty unreal teams in the East. Um, But the growth of the league over the last five, six years has been been insane. There's so much money being pumped into into the clubs, into the players. Um, And and I think the league's done a really good job at uh, the marketing side of it with the ESPN plus deal, Um, you know, trying to promote the league in in all aspects, bringing in new markets. And I think that's been huge. Um, And and I think it's only getting bigger, especially with the 2026 World Cup coming to the United States. The, the league is going to be enormous by then. It'll probably be one of the biggest second divisions, you know, in, in the world. And I'll stick by that. There's going to be a lot of guys who are coming over here from foreign countries, wanting to play in the U.S. And you, you can see with all the stadium structures with Louisville, amazing. Sacramento's getting a new new stadium, I think. Indy's going to get a new stadium. San Antonio's got an amazing stadium. Just, the, the whole foundation of the league is, is set up for
0: real good long-term success. And sorry, uh, John, don't mean to cut you off immediately, mm-hmm. but... Um, kind of speaking on that, a while back, a guy who's been a regular in this league, uh, Chandler Hoffman, he had talked about, this was even back in 2019, had said that the USL was creeping up on being one of the top second divisions anyway. And that was 2019. Just the idea that, you know, that is what, four years of growth there alone. And we're starting to see some insane level of players. I mean, some of the people that you have to go one-on-one with, um, I mean, you're going up against this weekend with Juan Aguidelo, the youngest goal scorer U.S. men's national team history. You have Kyle Vassell that you faced off against twice, back pocket, no big deal. Um, you know, those kind of players going up against players of those prowess with big names, admittedly. Is there any different preparation that you do when you're preparing for those kind of players?
1: No, I, I, I think that's kind of been a, a common question from a lot of reporters. It's, oh, what do you guys have to do differently now that you know you're playing a bigger team or now the playoffs are coming? And the answer is that the, we are just going to keep doing what we've been doing all year. It, it it it's pretty impressive the the mental strength and the the focus that everyone's had within the club of taking everything game by game, whether we're playing Loudon or we're playing San Diego or Sacramento. The preparation is the same week in and week out. The video we watch is the same. The scouting's the same. I watched all Loudon's games. I watched all Sacks games, San Diego's games, and unfortunately, I won't be playing this weekend. But you know, I, I would obviously be doing my homework the same as you know if I was playing one of the the second teams, which on all those teams they, they have so much talent, so you can't really take any team lightly in this league, and I, I genuinely say that.
2: You talk about the team-specific preparation, obviously getting to know the tendencies of the players you'll come up against, but I think one of the things that has made San Antonio so good this year is having that identity of defending off the ball, counterattacking really quickly. What role do you think having such a defined system has played in the team doing what they're doing?
1: Yeah, well, going back to kind of Alan's leadership, it's, it's a very defined system it's pretty black and white it's you do this you do that you know when we, we don't have the ball you're pressing when we have the ball we're trying to attack and get to goal as quickly as possible so I, I think in a lot of systems it's there's some gray area with you know other teams just around the world you know where there's you know soccer is a very gray sport you know it's very subjective things can be left up uh, to interpretation on the field between players so i feel like with, with systems that aren't as black and white it's easier to you know not be as cohesive. Um, But part of our success has been we we know what we need to do and we know it's expected. This is how we're going to play. And if we're not going to execute it, Alan's going to get someone who's going to execute it. So I I think everyone's been really bought in. Everyone believes in the system, and and that's why we've had success.
0: Kind of speaking on, I guess, buying into those systems and with soccer being a great sport because we – I think there was a couple matches. I think last year the match against – when you guys played Legion last year, were you, were you? No, I, I them? came
1: in, uh, I think it was like August 14th.
0: Okay. Um, I think San Antonio won that match with like 35% possession. And it was like, this is peak San Antonio. This is at San Antonio as it gets. And then there's been matches this year where you guys have had to take the front foot a little bit more where it's no longer that counterattacking. It is. We need to possess the ball, control the flow and go to, 50 percent, 55, 60 percent at times, um, being able to have that drastic of a change. Most teams can't make a 40 percent change in possession unless it means they're losing it and they're losing big. How important is to have that flexibility not only as a team, but also as just a player? Yeah, it's huge.
1: I mean, we go back to our system is the way that we play is the way that we choose to play. It's not that we can't play ticky-tock all over the field. it's that we just choose not to but it gives us a lot of flexibility that when we need to possess the ball more we need to be more creative we can't do it and it gives us it's almost like our our, our plan b it, you know if the plan a isn't working out then we can fall back on other things because we have the guys to do it. we have pc and moabu in the middle and mohammed abu is the most underrated player in this league he's he's a class above everyone else it, it, with a, with a skill is passing just the way he, he thinks on the ball feels pressure. Um, so when you have guys like that, now we have Christian Pirano, we have Elliot Collier, we got guys who can finish the ball up top. It gives you a completely different dimension and a different way of playing, which, uh, you know, can kind of throw teams off, especially, you know, in the middle of the game.
2: Yeah. I think, uh, one of your teammates who specifically stood out is Connor Maloney. Certainly and he's someone on that left side, you two seem to have a great partnership. Can you just kind of speak to that connection and what makes you two so good in tandem? Yeah, so
1: Connor's a funny one. I, I've known Connor since I was probably 10 or 12 years old. We used to play in those kick 3 v 3 tournaments and we played against each other in the national final two or three years in a row. And, you know, we've we've had a great relationship through them. We've played against each other in college a couple of times, and it's quite funny that we, you know, get to play together in the pros. But I think our relationship is amazing on the field. It's great off the field. And Connor's so versatile. I also think he's one of the more underrated players in this league because he doesn't doesn't get many goals, um, doesn't get many assists. But the, the work that he does without him, it, we have a huge hole on, on either side of the flank. And it's just uh, – it's pretty incredible the impact that he has on the team and on this regular season championship season without, you know, really having those standout numbers.
0: You know, I want to just jump in on some, you said a couple of times now with some of your teammates, just calling them one of the more underrated players in the league. I think you could look at almost the entire San Antonio team and say that because for some reason, despite being the best team in the league, and it's in my eyes, not even close, um, it feels like there's just not a whole lot of sexiness to the team. And do you think that just comes from not being able not not being able but not choosing not to hold on to the ball and not play this really i guess pretty game that a casual fans would like watching all the time or is it something else? I mean cuz there's a reason y'all are the best. Why do you think your teammates aren't getting the same love that other teams are?
1: Yeah, I mean I would agree with some of what you said, but the one part that I would disagree with is saying the casual fan might want to see a different style of play, but I actually think it's really entertaining. It's end to end. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of, Oh, Oh, you know, <laughs> it's a, we play an emotional game. And I, I think that the way we play for the the casual fan and even the fans that really understand the sport, I think it's a, a great event for people to come see. Um, but as far as, you know, the sex appeal of a lot of the guys in the team, if you look at a lot of the rosters throughout the league, there are a lot of big names that teams are signing. And, you know, that brings a lot of attention to them. Like, you know, Phoenix has a lot of big names. Um, Birmingham's got some big names. SAC has some big names. San Diego. Um, so it's really easy to get drawn into those guys. And I think the difference here is that Allen looks for a specific type of player regardless of what their their clout or their reputation is with you know being a big time player or not and he's making all of us into bigger time players in the league and so i think that's a real difference between us and and other teams in the league is alan is making us into these players that people are starting to notice and it's a credit to him and it's a credit to everyone else who's bought in, bought into the system and um yeah, I, mean, I I think it's super entertaining. Hopefully, Kayla, you, you have a good time this weekend with uh, w- watching our boys play and you know, let me know after if it was uh, if it was good or not.
0: Um, you know, this was something cuz we'll talk about it in a little bit about how you're involved with the MVP, you know, conversation. Um, part of the MVP conversation in order for you to win because I don't have a vote, but the, just the way it works is that you do need to lose this upcoming weekend. That's a part of it, so I just kind of want to throw that out there. If you could pass that along to the boys, if if they care about you, they need to lose, but, you know. I think
1: I'll pass up on MVP if that's the case.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, just let's get into the MVP race a little bit. Obviously, a big component of that is what you've done in defense, but with the goal scoring as well. Um, I think one of the big factors there is how dangerous you are on set pieces. Is that something that you guys are practicing a lot? Do you have a lot of set routines, or do it, does it just tend to be more of you're tall? You have a really good instinct for winning those aerial duels.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously we we do set pieces just like every other team, and I, I wouldn't say it yeah. takes a focal point in our training. But I, I do think my relationship with the way that you know with, with Moabu and the way he hits the ball is it's perfect for me him and I have a, a good connection on the field and it's almost instinctual that he knows where I am and I know where he's going to hit it. It doesn't come off every time, but you know, I do a decent job of getting my head on it and at least, you know, creating a chance from the, from the near or far post. Um, I just think, uh, I just think everything's clicked this year. I think Mo and I had a good connection last year on set pieces. When I was there, I got a couple of assists. I think, I don't, I don't think, I, I think I might've scored one, maybe not, but, um, you know, it's just, we know where each other are on the field and, and I think it just makes everything that much easier. It's almost like you don't really have to think. It's just, you just kind of feel it out.
0: You know, as the goal scoring for you, getting the assist and just doing everything you have done on the back line with this ridiculous defense, obviously Jordan Farr is a stud back there too. Um, Keeper of the year. I mean, no, no there's, <laughs> yeah. It's hard to argue that at this point, and I, to me, I think the fact that you have made your way into these MVP conversations where you play, there's been some great defenders in the USL. Um, yeah. Guys like you know Harrison Delbridge, uh, guy that uh, you played off against with FC yeah. now with the Australian national team, Forrest Lasso, all all-time defender never made it into those conversations. For you to even be considered in a very, frankly, offensive award, what does that mean to you?
1: Yeah, it's uh, – you know, I was talking to Devin Kerr and then I said, it, it's it's super humbling to, to be in the conversations. Uh, it's obviously flattering. And now that I'm in the conversations, obviously I'd love to win it. But – um yeah, I mean, there have been some great defenders over the year. We had Sebastian Biaga in 2017 in San Antonio, who was an absolute monster. Forrest Lasso, who was three-time Defender of the Year, five-time All-League. You had Harrison Delbridge, who was in, it, it sucked to play against him, especially because I, I was so young in Toronto, too. So that, that was never a fun game. But these are all guys who have had great careers or continue to have great careers. So to be in the conversation is great, but it, it really is uh, its because the team's doing well. I've had, I've had a really good season personally, but without – the team having the success that we've had and everyone else having the great seasons that they've had. We're not talking about Metro MVP.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess for me, cause there was a while and I'll, I'll hold my hands up. I'll say it here. I mean, I, I was on the, the Nate Steinwasher train pretty hard of what he was doing out in Detroit city. You know, I mean, he had a heck of a game against you guys uh, game one Um I was I was banging that drum pretty hard, and I still think he belongs in that conversation. But the more and more I've watched San Antonio, what you are doing specifically has just for me risen above everybody else. Obviously, team game, team sport. That's why you guys won the supporter shield. But your play this year has been insane. Can you tell a difference in how you've played in previous years? Do you feel like this is a great year, or do you feel like it's just now being noticed?
1: I think it's a little bit of both. I feel like I've always had the tools to have this sort of year. I feel like I've always had it in me mentally, physically, technically. Um, But this year, like going back to Alan, right? He, he takes the good parts in your game and he makes them great. So I think I really needed a coach who saw those little things in me that were really good. And he just, you know, made, made them so much better. And the way we play really, really helps me. It helps me stand out. It makes me feel like I'm a part of both ends of the field instead of just playing, sitting back in a block, playing the four or five back system and just sitting back there. I get to get into the attack. I get to, you know, defend guys one-on-one and be aggressive. And I, I think that really helps me. And, and obviously that's the way we play, so it helps everyone else on the team. But, yeah, it's just been one of those years where it's kind of kind of just clicked and, you know, I'm grateful for it all
2: yeah and um obviously this off season you guys added carter manley fabian garcia uh, jordan came in in goal i think it's been a big deal in terms of having that comfort level where your offensive game has been activated in a real big way because you have that safety net i mean i I don't want to say just like praise your teammates but how good have they been this season Oh, I mean, I, I was talking to Jordan the
1: other day, and he was like, dude, this this year wasn't even supposed to happen to me. I, I wasn't the starter at the beginning because we had yeah. Christian Bonilla, who was there for the first two or three games. I was like, wow, man, that's actually kind of crazy. But Jordan was unreal last year in playoffs for us. He made some saves where I was like, who is this guy? I've ne- I never heard of him before he showed up in the locker room. Um, <laughs> but he, he's an amazing guy. I couldn't be happier for any player, honestly. He, he deserves every bit of credit. He's getting every bit of attention. And quite honestly, I think he should be getting more attention because some of the saves he had when he was player of the month, it was unbelievable. His highlight tape at the end of the year is going to be amazing. And uh, he's kept us in so many games. His save against Austin FC where he just put out his arms was uh, – I've never seen that before, just a keeper just opening up his arms and saying, yeah, it's just hit it at me, please, and just – it worked. So it's, it's been that type of year for Jordan. He's really come out of his shell. And, um, you know, like I said, the, the coaches aren't signing superstars, but they're signing guys they see potential. And then they're just, just working these guys so well to, to where they really reach it. And I, I think that's kind of been – been the MO of us this year is everyone's got that chip on their shoulder. Fabian Garcia's been amazing. You know, he came from Austin, scored five or six goals last year, but he fits the system yeah. perfectly. He's crazy athletic, good communicator, great on the ball. You have Jasper Kamiri who who's just a, a beast in the air, great tackler, no nonsense defender, and Carter who's just he's, he's so he's so calm. And you know, in, in the way that we play Maybe you wouldn't expect someone to just be so calm when we play such an aggressive style of play, but he's so calm. He's so composed on the ball. His technique is second to none. Uh, He's been a great addition to the club and I I hope he stays for a couple more years.
0: Uh, This is totally away from the conversation that we're having right now, but I just, it just came to me and I really want to know it's been well documented that Going down to Rio Grande, which is a massive derby for you guys. It's like voodoo magic down there. How they just scrape out goals and just like win matches. What? What's go? Is there just something in the water and the air? Like why is it? Why do teams? like tend to go there and die and like how did you guys overcome that <laughs> it's rgv man number
1: one especially like when we go down there we have to drive it's like three and a half hours it's you don't see anything on the way there you feel like you're in the car for the or the bus for eight hours it's a really difficult place to play the pitch is enormous um they, they have a great stadium so it, it's it is really cool to, to play there great locker room setup everything but RGV are not an easy team to play i don't care where they're on the standings any year it It sucks to play at RGV, especially Uh, those guys fight. They're really good on the ball. They're coached well, they're organized and and they don't give up. So add that on to traveling and then you're going more South and it's already superhuman in Texas. Never mind going down right to the border. It's, it's unbelievable weather out there. It's just dry or not dry. it's, It's sticky. It's heavy. And you're playing a team that always wants to win. So it's just never an easy game. And I think a lot of teams underestimate them, especially the ones that come over from the Eastern Conference who haven't played in RGV before. I think it's kind of a shock to the
2: system. Yeah, and obviously a lot of the USL that you end up watching is for the scouting purposes, for getting ready for your next game. Is there a player or a team from anywhere in the league that just in a totally casual sense you really enjoy?
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think there's a lot of entertaining teams throughout the league. Um, obviously, like I said, soccer's super subjective. So a lot of guys don't like watching us, but I love watching us. But then a lot of teams say, hey, maybe the teams that are passing the ball around are boring or others." Oh, all that's beautiful. And they're two different ends of the spectrum. I think there are a lot of really entertaining teams. I think San Diego is a great team. Um, they're not, not fun to play against. I mean, we lost 3-0 to them. That was probably one of the worst times I've had in a game in a long time. I didn't enjoy that. Uh Tampa, Tampa's a great team. Um, you know, I, I do like watching RGV in Memphis as well. Memphis has some bite to them. I, I enjoy watching their games. They're entertaining. Philip Goodrums on a tear where he's got 19 goals now. Yeah. Uh, watching yeah. that game against Louisville was I was that I mean it was just a, a crazy game, crazy ending. And uh, I, I think that's a huge part of the league as well. It looks like a proper professional soccer game. Guys are competing like hell, like trying to get three points no matter what. Um but you know, off the top of the head, those are a couple teams that, you know, I, I like watching on a weekly basis.
0: Do you ever find yourself dabbling down into League One at all?
1: <laughs> uh, like for watching games? Yeah. Yeah, I do sometimes. So I know a couple guys. I, I played uh, college and club growing up with uh, Ethan Decker, who was at Richmond Kickers. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I watch some of those games. I watched the Hailstorm a little bit. I like Zibin. Uh He's one of my boys. So, you know, give a shout-out to him and watch it, Watch his guys play. But, yeah, I, I watch quite a few of those games.
0: And just kind of going, I guess, across the pond, or even uh, here, growing up, obviously, I guess everybody always has a striker that they always watch when they were growing up. Everybody always has that midfielder, you know, are you Messi, <sighs> Ronaldo, so on and so forth. Um, for you as a defender, who did you kind of try to model yourself after growing up?
1: Yeah, well... I didn't start playing center back until I was probably like 16, 17. So I was a striker and a 10 growing up. And when I first started liking Man United, it was because Van Nistelrooy was on the team, and I thought his name was cool. So I started watching. turns out he's a pretty good player. So I loved watching him. Um, but as far as defenders go, I love Sergio Ramos. I think he's one of, if not the best defender ever. Paula Um, you know, those guys are, are classic. So I, I watch their YouTube videos all the time, and their highlights, and they're just – it's unbelievable. The way that they tackle is – it's such an art and it's so hard to do. And I think it's really underappreciated. And I think it's really cool to see that in full swing in the top levels of of Europe and see how they do it.
0: Since you did grow up uh, playing striker and you have the whole supporter shield in the bag, you already, I mean, obviously there's a lot to play for, but is there a little want to go to coach Allen and be like, Hey, put me up top. I got it.
1: You know. Man, I've been doing that for two years. <laughs> I've been doing it for two years, and now that I haven't been, uh, I haven't been in the roster last game in this game because I'm suspended. Whenever we do five v five, it's like I'm not playing center back right now. I'm going going up top, so I play in the center mid and play play up top during the five v five stuff and try to bang in some goals. But um, no, he he knows. I let him know whenever we need a goal. If he needs one, just I, I always give him a little look like, hey, this might be the time, man. But uh, it hasn't <laughs> happened yet, so hopefully it doesn't happen because that means we're,
0: we're really uh, in the ditch there. Um, Johnny you got any?
2: Uh, no, I think just to close it out, uh, something we always do on the USL show is like recommend a show, a movie, some music that we're into. If you had to mm. give the people a recommendation, what would it be? <sighs> I don't know if it's appropriate, but I just watched Dahmer. And yeah. I think everyone's probably watched
1: it. <laughs> I mean, that is... Uh, that was that threw me through a loop that was a uh, pretty insane but I, th- I think it was a cool yeah. watch
0: no that's not it my my shock was um i came into my classroom the other day and i was just kind of talking to the kids and they were like have you watched domer and i'm like you're oh, no. 11 you're <laughs> 11 years old <laughs> <laughs> they, they probably think it's cool because they don't know it's true yet uh, right. <laughs> let's we're going to keep that one a secret for a little bit yeah for sure we'll, Look, man, it's been awesome. It was an awesome chat. Um, thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. It was, uh, it was a real pleasure. I hope we get to do it again soon.
0: Absolutely. And like I said, if you want to remind the, your buddies about Sunday, you know, no big deal. Um, <laughs> Sorry,
1: man. We got records to chase, so we got we just got to keep going.
0: Yeah. I I did want to ask about that. And before we you know close up, what makes you guys so good away?
1: it's not easy away we, we say we're the mentality monsters and that's you know you got to put your money where the mouth is and you got to grind out those points and you know you're not going to win a championship if you're not winning away and especially during those dog days of summer it's like you either win a championship or you lose a championship there so that was our, our mentality going into all those games especially away it's like not going to be easy probably not going to be pretty but we just got to just got to get it done
2: but hey you oh. don't have to worry about it in the playoffs it's true
1: that's right hopefully we can get those three games
0: absolutely yeah. Thank you, Mitchell, so much for hopping on. Thank you for San Antonio for helping set all this up. Thank you, Kevin. Appreciate you. Mm -hmm. Um, And to everybody, obviously, go follow Mitchell on uh, social media. Um, I'm pretty sure it's just his name. Um, Pretty sure it is, (laughs) Um, So follow him on all the social medias. And thank you guys so much. And until next time, uh, that is the USL Show.